1: Welcome to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. Leaders are the heartbeat of any organization. Let Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler share with you the pathway to becoming a top leader in your organization. Now, here are your hosts, Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler.
2: Welcome to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers, co-hosted by myself, Dr. Kathy Greenberg, and my co-host, Dr. Relly Nadler. And, of course, we are your leadership development coaches, and we've, I guess, collectively helped thousands of leaders and executives to perform in their top 10%.
3: We always bring you cutting-edge information, tools that will help you move into the top 10%, but if you lead a team, it'll be information that'll help you uh, lead your team and move more people into that top 10%. So we're really excited today. Uh, We have a very interesting show. You know, we always bring great guests. And so you're going to get to peek inside the Central Intelligence uh, Agency, the CIA. Today we have Jack Devine, who served at the CIA for more than 30 years, rising to become the acting director of operations and the head of all CIA uh, spying operations. He has a new book uh, out called Good Hunting, and some of what we're going to be talking about today. is that the title is Good Hunting, An American Spy Master's Story. And it's called A Sophisticated, Deeply Informed Account of Real Life in the CIA that adds immeasurably to our understanding of the espionage culture. So you're going to get an opportunity to Mm -hmm. hear our our questions to uh, Jack and get an inside look about um, his life story and another window into what we've talked a lot about as fearless leaders and how do we apply emotional and social intelligence you know, with the gripping intrigue and high-stakes maneuvering, as we all maybe hear about, but we don't necessarily know the inside story, as Jack was present at nearly every major CIA operation during his career? He uses a keen sense of humor, sharp wit, and enthralling tales of his life as a spymaster with an unprecedented look into the clandestine world of the CIA and how it ties to current events around the world. He'll uh, describe some of the interpersonal relationships and how self-awareness is required to conduct successful covert operations in colorful detail uh, and not disclosing still classified inf- information, of course. But to give you a look at some of the agency's most controversial entanglements, including his role in Charlie Wilson's role a uh, war in Afghanistan, the mm-hmm. largest covert action of the Cold War, made into an award-winning movie by the same name um, that many of us have seen. So let me just say a word about uh, Kathy. And, you know, Kathy, my esteemed host, um, everybody knows her. She coaches leading executives and entire companies on her proven work-life strategies based on positive psychology. And now added to the science of courage. She's been named the First Lady of Happiness by ABC-TV. Dr. Greenberg has authored multiple popular books on the science of happiness, including What Happy Working Mothers Know, Now in a Dozen Languages, and she touches millions as a much-demand speaker, TV, radio, media personality. Kathy has founded four consultancies and three leadership institutes and actively supports behavioral research while offering friendly tips and tools. She on her the ABC's Morning Blend. She also has a free app. You can see her glowing face, Your Happiness Now. You go to iTunes Store. And her latest number one best-selling book is based on her work with special forces, sports athletes, global executives. It's called Fearless Leaders, Sharpen Your Focus, and it's available uh, on Amazon. And if you want to get more information, she has a website that you can uh, look at her special operation uh, coaches, so the warriors that work with her. It's called www.fearlessleadersquiz.com, and you can take a leadership-style quiz and receive a ton of free downloads to assess your talent and performance. So, Kathy, welcome.
2: Thanks, Ray. It's going to be a fantastic show today. I'm very energized uh, to have Jack Devine with us. We are really in for a phenomenal show, and I have to say, um, you know, we've been on the air now. For nine years, so we're ranked top uh, five, I believe, in the uh, all-business uh, Voice America uh, global lineup. And I'm really excited uh, that we are gaining you know, millions of listeners in 27 countries and 126 cities. And we are so, I want to say, honored and privileged to be able to share our work our passion, our love for leadership, emotional intelligence, uh, all our tips and tools for free. I want to emphasize that <laughs> with uh, over 95,000 downloads a month to all of those wonderful people who listen to us and who recognize that life is about evolving leaders and today Jack Devine will add to that wealth of information. You know, before we bring Jack on, I want to just make sure that uh, everybody who's listening knows who Dr. Relly Nadler is. And, of course, Relly, you're important to me personally uh, and professionally, and I want to make sure that uh, those who are listening uh, really understand your gifts, uh, one of which is that you are a master-level certified executive coach. Uh, you are a, a supreme psychologist in many, many ways, it's a corporate leadership and trainer, and you bring your legendary expertise, emotional intelligence, to everything that you do, your keynotes, your consulting, your coaching, and certainly your development programs. And Dr. Nadler's newest top-ranked book, Leading with Emotional Intelligence, provides hundreds of tools, tips, strategies, and anything you would need from emotional intelligence to develop star performance across your industry. You know, his Leadership Keys field guide is available on Amazon uh, either as a book or an ebook. And you can also get his free iApp, Leadership Keys with videos that you can find very easily at your app store. He has a popular blog on psychology today with over a thousand reads. You can um, easily Get free resources from his EI Central site. And let me give you that information. If you text EI Central to 38470 or visit him at TrueNorthLeadership.com, you can measure your emotional quotient, your emotional intelligence, your capacity to be a better, high performing leader right now with all the resources he has at EI Central. So, Riley, I'm very excited today to bring Jack on to the show and perhaps just to give our audience uh, and Jack, who's standing by, uh, a little bit of an insight about why we do this show, why it's important to us, uh, why we serve those in our audience with great passion and compassion on our mission, the purpose of leadership. Uh, we'll get started.
3: Oh, great, great. Well, thanks so much, Kathy, and I'll, I'll keep this brief, especially for our listeners we've had for many years, but we really want to uh, zero in on how uh, Jack's life and experience and, uh, has highlighted a lot of the concepts that we talk about with uh, executives every day in organizations. And when we think about a top 10% performer, you know, what are they doing a little differently than someone else? And it is this concept of emotional intelligence, which we describe as understanding yourself and managing yourself, understanding others and managing others. And it really has it is in the moment, kind of mastering the moment. And I'd love to you know, we'll pick Jack's brain about, you know, uh, in the CIA operatives. How do you master the moment? Because everything happens in those two or three minutes, the decisions that you make. Um, and so it's really knowing yourself, but really understanding, getting intelligence about knowing others. Probably more important than how smart you are and more important than the techno expertise. That in the moment, how do you really make those critical uh, decisions? And most organizations say they don't have enough next-level leaders. And so that's why, you know, Kathy, you and I are so passionate about how do we bring technology and and science and best practices so that the people listening can apply some of these nuggets to either themselves or the teams that that they use.
2: Yeah, and I'll I'll tell you, one of the things that uh, I'm very excited about as well is, as you know, my purpose in life is bringing logic to the spiritual and bringing um, much of spirit and emotional intelligence in the positive psychology world to the logical. Um, yeah. We often forget that brain and neuroscience contributions to top performance have been increasing. Our capacity for understanding the brain, uh, how to leverage the capacities we have as human beings to self-manage and in doing so manage those around us more effectively are increasing, and in fact, uh, we know that, um, as you love to say, leaders are the thermostat, and if we don't have leaders who understand how they play that role in an organization, whether they're on a team, whether they're in a, uh, let's say, a a leader of an organization such as a CEO or an industry, uh, you have on your hands Complete chaos, or as we like to say in a VUCA world, volatile, uncertain, chaotic, and ambiguous—quite um, a difficult challenge.
3: Yeah, that's so true. So th- maybe say a word about you know how you came across Jack. Cause I'd love to be able to um, hear about his his uh, career and then his book, Good Hunting, and anything that we can uh, help to support him.
2: Well, uh, Jack is. Another friend of uh, my my new dear friend, Monsignor Michael Mannion, who is a chaplain for the FBI uh, here on the East Coast, the Mid-Atlantic region, and as you know, uh, Father and I have been working on a leadership retreat, and we will be talking about that on a future show. The idea here is uh, Jack was a speaker, uh, an amazing speaker, uh, as he often does around the world, uh, and uh, he came to one of our CIA programs, uh, cia FBI programs, uh, at the Union League. And uh, we were very excited to have Jack uh, be our speaker. Uh, and he was, uh, of course, a consummate professional. So uh, we will bring Jack on as soon as we come back from this first break. So don't go away. You're listening to Leadership Development News.
5: practical solutions, and proven results for your business, visit Kathy Greenberg at h2cleadership.com. That's h2cleadership.com. We're
1: always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network.
3: Welcome back to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of the Top Performers. And I can't wait to get into talking to uh, Jack DeVine here, who was the head of all CIA spying operations. He has a book, Good Hunting, that you should go get that's available at all the, the, book, the book outlets. Um, so, Kathy, maybe just say a couple words, you know, more about Jack, but let's go through our questions for him.
2: Yeah, I think uh, for those of you who are just tuning in, I just want to refresh... Everyone's focus here. Uh, Jack Devine has had an amazing leadership career at the CIA, uh, from running Charlie Wilson's war in Afghanistan, which was the largest covert action of the Cold War, to overseeing the operation that brought down Colombian drug lord Pablo Escobar, uh, and many others. Jack has been a strong voice uh, during the uh, Iran Contra affair and a strong opponent. Tangling with Rick Ames, the KGB spy inside the CIA, and aided in the search for the FBI mole, now known as Robert Hansen. You know, Devine ran CIA stations in Latin America and Rome. He headed the Counter-Narcotic Center. He rose to become acting chief of the agency's clandestine service. And he has received the most distinguished intelligence medal and several meritorious awards. Jack is a recognized expert in intelligence matters. He has been on all media outlets in all networks, CBS, NBC, MSNBC, Fox, PBS, the History Channel, ABC. And he also acts as a special consultant to one of our favorite award-winning TV shows, Homeland. And I want to say that what Jack does, in addition to being a historic leader within the CIA community and a great public speaker, is he is the president of the Arkin Group, which is an international risk consulting and intelligence firm whose mission is to use strategic intelligence and analysis to enable its clients to importantly minimize risks and maximize payoffs when making critical business decisions. And hopefully today we'll learn more about how Jack does that work, how he has learned to do that work, and why emotional and social intelligence is such an important important part of being a leader in that industry. Jack, welcome to the show.
6: Good to be speaking to you again, Kathy and,
3: and Raleigh. <clears throat> well, thanks, Jack. And so we usually uh, ask a question or two or just about, From the leaders and people that uh, we have on the show. Who's been most influential for you? Kind of who's helped shape your career? Well, I think it starts at
6: home. And I think let's look at our parents. We've had a happy and uh, loving childhood. I think uh, mentoring starts um, at home. And then I would say, sticking close to home, as I moved up in my CIA career. Uh, my spouse was a major factor in keeping me, uh, chin up, if you will. And when inside the agency, I was fortunate over a long period of time, particularly when I was writing the book and going back and looking at it over a number of years, you begin to appreciate just how many senior people at one point or another helped, helped me position me, directed me, <laughs> saved me, uh, from making some of the mistakes that I might have. So, you know I have a long list of people that I feel um sense of obligation to uh, unfortunately, a fair number of them have since passed away but um I did feel that in writing the book, it gave me a chance to it's a little dramatic to say come to closure, but it did help me to say thank you in a way that i hadn't been able to do uh while working for them certainly, I said thank you, but not in the way. Either tonally or substantively, that I felt felt in retrospect, uh, I really needed to tip my hat to a fair number of people. Took a you village, are such as a, they say. Took a, powerful... a village to get me up the the food chain inside of CIA. CIA I certainly didn't do it on my own.
2: Yeah, I was going to say you are such a powerful person, and you're so humble. Um, that that is such a strong character of yours. You know, I assume um, one of the questions you get a lot uh, is, is when you're going to answer for us. What is your book about, and why did you decide to call it good hunting?
6: Well, the, let me do the last part first. Good hunting is an expression that is very uh, frequently used among clandestine operators. In the Western world, it's not just CIA, but the Brits use it, and so do some other services. There's a long tradition of uh, of using that expression. The first place I noticed was in uh, uh, Kipling, writing years ago, Jungle, Jungle Book, I think he refers to good hunting. It's an expression like uh, good luck, break a leg in show business, so to speak. Good hunting, and I think it's so apropos for CIA. Go find Ben Laden. Go find that. Russian penetration of the CIA or the FBI, you know, go find John the cutthroat that worked for ISIS. In other words, I, I think it is a very good expression. And I wrote many times cables. Not every cable warrants it, you know, but where you're starting an operation or you're trying to finish off something, instead of saying good luck, it's good hunting. So that was an easy an easy thing to explain. Writing a book, is, uh, is uh, being a CIA person, is, is a process in the sense that when I first left CIA, I didn't even tell people where I worked for so many years, even though I was authorized because I became a public figure in CIA. I was publicly in the press on a number of issues, but it was just awkward. So you get from where you barely mention what you did to a point where you feel a steep emotional attachment to CIA and its mission, then you want to write about that mission so that people better understand it. And not to ramble on too much, when you look at CIA on its operational side, not the analytical or the science, but just on the operational side, there are two fundamental activities. One is espionage, spying meeting agents late at night, Uh, or any of our listeners are fans of uh, Le Carré, the spy who came in from the war, uh, from the cold. The other one is the James Bond, the action. In other words, it's it's not running spies, it's making things happen. And these are the two disciplines, major disciplines or other sub-disciplines, but they're the two major disciplines in the spying world and the operational world. This book is about the action part. Now, I do roll into it because it was part of my life, espionage part, as you mentioned, with Ames and Hansen and so on. But the principal objective was to talk about action. When does the U.S. government turn to the CIA and under what conditions do they use that powerful instrument to change an event in a foreign country? That's either to disrupt the counter-narcotics world, the terrorism world, or to overthrow a hostile government, or as you had mentioned in the case of uh, Charlie Wilson's war to prevent the Soviet Union from developing a lock on Southeast Asia. So, I, uh, the, the easier part to write about is the action be car part, and that's because most of those activities eventually become public because the events become public and because you invariably end up in congressional hearings or some newspaper story. So, I had a lot of material uh, to write from, and I wanted people to understand. The CIA is not a rogue entity. that It is an action element that is directed by the President of the United States. And I wanted the folks to understand, you know, I'm fascinated by a number of TV shows and movies about the CIA, but there is a distortion that is disturbing, and it's that distortion, which is CIA never does these things on their own. It's always the President of the United States signing an order in writing that gets the CIA to do things that sometimes become controversial. So, uh that's a, a capsule summary of the, of
2: the book. Well, you know, before we get into what are the key behaviors that are necessary to become uh, an operative, I, I just want to remind people, because it's, it's, so, um, it's so apropos, so salient to our conversation and what you just said. You know, this movie, 13 Weeks, the Benghazi story just came out, and that movie focuses principally on the mission of the CIA, uh, and I think it's a good example, and I know that that's not the, the topic for us today, but would you consider that a good example of how the CIA is placed somewhere to, in fact, do its work?
6: Well, I think so, but I, I mean, what happened in the case of Benghazi is a place where there was a raid and the ambassador was killed. It was very disruptive. I would just simply note that there are many Benghazis in the world that haven't yes. gone that way. So you have people out there. And if uh, those, have, I'm sure have, many of your listeners have seen the walls inside of CIA with the stars where there were relatively few when I first joined, and today there's 100 and, uh, 112, I think, at the last count. There are people that die in Benzi, Benghazi type of, of activities. And you touched on something, Kathy, which I want to underscore because your your theme over and over again in in your uh, life coaching is uh, is, is leadership. But uh, the point I would make is, you know, you're you're going to have your most effective leaders if they're in a line of work that they believe in, and they have a sense of mission, like the folks in whether it's Benghazi or anywhere in the world or in any agency or government institution or public sector. You're gonna have stronger leaders. When someone enters, it's rare that anybody gets to the top to where they can exercise influence over an organization that isn't really committed in the product. And then mission. Agreed. And I think you know, you have to you know, people have to start with that. What makes a great leader? Well first thing are you in the right business. You know, do you really believe in it with your heart and soul and you're prepared to make sacrifices personally and, uh, and so, so, Jack, with that, because the Kat good I talk for the about... Good, for some common good. Yep.
2: Well, we're going to be right back, Jack, so hold that thought. We're going to take a quick break and come back to what are the key behaviors, a good leader, a good operative needs for success in their career. Don't go away. We'll be right back. You're listening to Leadership Development News.
1: Business? You'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
7: Are you a fearless leader? Fearless leaders stop at nothing to win while engaging others through positive action. Fearless leaders operate with a strong sense of freedom. They embrace the courage to fail. They respond to challenges with resilience. They operate from a higher consciousness and they excel through a mindset for success to increase everyone's ROL or return on leadership. You can, too. Let Dr. Kathy Greenberg and a rare team of special operations coaches help you realize your full potential at fearlessleadersgroup.com. The Fearless Leaders Group applies a powerful coach approach beyond tools and techniques by fundamentally transforming a leader's core abilities and approaches to any business in as little as 90 days. Act now and receive a free bonus. Go to fearlessleadersquiz.com. Take the free assessment and find out what you are truly capable of. Go to fearlessleadersquiz.com to find the fearless leader in you and discover how being fearless truly equals freedom.
5: Let Kathy Greenberg teach you and your team how to harness the power of happiness to generate even greater success and satisfaction at work. Did you know by applying coaching and the new science of happiness, you can improve your return on people anywhere from 50% to 350%. At H2C, we believe in both a return on people, that's ROP, as much as return on investment, or ROI. Kathy Greenberg, New York Times bestselling author of What Happy Working Mothers Know and internationally acclaimed What Happy Companies Know, is the leading global expert on coaching combined with the new science of happiness and originator of the happiness equals profits business formula. practical solutions, and proven results for your business, visit Kathy Greenberg at h2cleadership.com. That's h2cleadership.com.
1: Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business.
3: Welcome back to Leadership Development Who's Profiles and Practice of Top Performers. We're talking with one of the key top performers uh, in in the United States here who's been in in charge of uh, CIA uh, operations. And so if you ever wondered about what were some of the key behaviors that would make a good uh, operative um, individual, you know, what what are some of those things? And we want to ask that, uh, Jack, to you, as you're looking at, you know, who are the people who are outstanding? We talked in the beginning of the show top ten percent. What are some of the key behaviors that you look at for someone who would be a, you know, uh, an operative uh, top performer? Well,
6: I think, uh, really, this is a uh, I think a very good question, and I and I want to come right to it. But inside of the CIA, there's a lot of different function. You know, we were talking about Benghazi for a minute, and the types of people that are on the line and and are fighters, warriors, okay? And then you're talking about operatives or talking about analysts. There's different characteristics, and, and there's uh, different subsets of the work. The other thing is I think there's a difference between the requirements for the leaders, the managers, mm. so to speak, and the operatives. So you may have someone excelling in the opera, operational um, attributes, but not doing as well in the leadership count. But let me go to your question, which is, yeah. what about the operative? So you're a young person. You've graduated from college. Maybe you've done some master uh, master work. You've uh, either done a little life experience in the military or in the private sector, and you join CIA. You've traveled the world a bit. You've got some language skills. Uh, you're a patriot. You, you're, you're, you've decided that you want to serve your country in a, in a long term career. So, you know, we've tested hundreds of thousands of people that apply to the CIA, and they pretty well, you know, I think they can identify sort of some of the, you know, the attributes. You want people that are intelligent, not too intelligent, because I don't want to offend either of you, because I'm sure your IQs are above 160. But when you get above 160, you become dysfunctional in terms of running operations and in terms of, uh, of uh, running most businesses. Most businesses, most CEOs are are not uh, geniuses, So, but very smart, okay, so you, you, need, to be, you need to be smart. I think on the operational side, what is your task? Your task is to develop relationships with foreigners. I mean, that's your principal task. So you have to be able to identify with a foreign culture. Empathy was a word that Kathy used earlier. You, know, you have to be able to empathize, actually have the feeling be credible. I mean, people have to feel that. Yeah, you really understand me. You understand my uh, my culture. You have to be. There's a balance, and this is again, I defer to you, the professionals, being between extrovertism and being uh, introverted. And that is, you have to have enough extrovert tendencies so you go out and say hello to somebody. Uh, a lot of our people uh, have to be pushed a little bit, and I would say I was probably one of those. But you need to be introspective enough. And coming back to some of the language that you used earlier in terms of emotional IQ, there has to be a self-awareness. You have to know who you are, and you have to be focused. You have to realize what your mission is. Your mission is to befriend this person. Presumably, their interest and yours coincide. And that you're in a position to ask a very difficult question, which um, a lot of people do not have the capacity to do this. And this means also in the business sector, and that is, closing a deal. How do you close the deal? And that is, I would like you to work for me as a spy. That is a tough sale. But if you're selling mattresses or you're selling coffee, at the end of the day, you have to say, look, I'd like you to buy my product. So you have to be persuasive. And you have to be able to say, I want you to do this. And there's a lot of salespeople that are uh, underperformers because they can't, Close deals. I don't know what the percent is, but my rough guess would be there's only 10 percent of the population that really closes deals.
2: I would agree. <laughs> That's a definite.
6: So, now you can get your... better. You can get better. Training can improve uh, your, your capacity to do that. An awareness about what needs to be done. Mm. You know, and it's not watching movies or you know, and so on or like you can watch, you can read and learn things, but you, this awareness that you you you, uh, you try to pass on to people is you, know, you have to really understand what your mission is and have the authentic authenticity, the credibility. You have to exude magical empathy, and some people have more of it than others. I mean, you have people that are you know you sit with them, and we're all different. I mean, people that. You know, we like uh, you know, others might not and so on, but you have to be able to exercise, project some strength and the people wanna be you know, be on your team. Mm-hmm. If someone wants to be a spy for the United States, they they want to feel like they're they're with somebody that's gonna protect them, it's got it's they got their heads on their shoulder and and uh and is uh is committed to the cause, so to speak.
2: So you you were selected and you got into the CIA. How did you get in and and what was the selection process?
6: Yeah. I, I would, if you go back and look at CIA, it's very interesting. You had an organization called OSS during World War II. And the you know, Americans have had, you know, a love-hate relationship with intelligence from its beginning. George Washington had intelligence uh, services. There was a uh, Culper Ring that he he ran personally, but you know Lincoln had it. Every every president had some sort of intelligence, but the Americans the, the general never wanted a secret intelligence surgeon as a as part of public policy. But when World War II finally came around, we were the number one power. You can't you can't uh, mm-hmm. you can't survive in that position without having a, a world class intelligence organization. And World War II OSS. Uh, became sort of the, the the first organized American intelligence. That was put together by people off of Wall Street and the Ivy League and, you know, an eclectic group of people, Bill Donovan, the lawyer in New York, and Wild Bill Donovan and um, Bill Casey and an extraordinary mix of people that uh, ran OSS operations. After the war, like good Americans, we dissolved it. You know, decided we weren't going to have... Any intelligence agency, and then Stalin raised his ugly head, and you know we started the Cold War, and they created CIA, and CIA then started out with the remnants of the OSS and these people, these folks that had experience in in uh, World War Two, and then comes my era where people then had to start to do it in a systematic. Not being tapped on the shoulder at some university, or your uncle referring you or your professor, that you had to go through a more organized process in the by the time you got into the the the, uh, the late fifties or in the mid sixties when i joined joined CIA so in my case, I grew up as a in a blue collar family, I had no idea about foreign service, foreign governments you know I studied foreign policy at the university. But, you know, I didn't have international experience. <laughs> I was teaching high school in Philadelphia. And I read a book about this organization called CIA. So I wrote a letter with, you know, pen and ink when things like that existed and said, you know, I'd be interested in joining CIA. Mailed it off, put a stamp on it and forgot about it. And then a few months later, I got a letter saying a peer in, I think it was 12th and Chestnut Street, something like that, and for an interview. And I started the interview, and then I took what was a souped-up SAT test, and then I was uh, sent down to Washington for psychological testing, um, and then interviews. A series of people interview you, and you're, you're being sized up through the process both psychologically. And and finally, well, first of all, you need a medical because you're going to be in foreign countries. You've got to be fit. you have going to be able to jump out of planes in those days. So, I mean, your positions in Washington where, you you know, you can have disabilities, but, you know, they have to, everything has to be tested and put into uh, its right category. And then you're finally giving polygraph testing, you know, and the testing there determine whether you're you know, drug use or aberrant behavior, which varies from generation to generation. They don't really care about your behavior per se. They just don't want you engaging in behavior that you want to conceal because you'll be blackmailed. In other words, they're more concerned about blackmail than trying to be a, a righteous uh, 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 oversight of morality. But they must avoid the, the risk of blackmail. You go through that process, and then, you know, you you, you enter CIA, and uh, before too long you're in language training and designated for some part of the world, and you go through... A approximately nine-month course. It varies depending again every decade or so. They add or subtract something, but basically half of it is learning how to be a spy, how to send secret messages, how to make meet agents late at night, how to be surveilled, how to use technical equipment. And then the second part uh, is uh, paramilitary training: you know, uh, how to survive in the jungle or the desert, um, pirate, you know, parachuting explosives, firing every weapon. Uh, Known to man. Um, And, you know, at the end of that, uh, you're assigned to a Washington desk. It could be the Polish desk or it could be the Bolivia desk. And lo and behold, your first assignment will be in some foreign country uh, where you are a greenhorn first tour officer who learns the trade. They call it trade crap at the knee of experienced officers who have an interest in seeing that you do it right for your sake and their sake and the, our, our government's sake. And that's the process. So I somehow, and this is all with uh, with hindsight, I really felt God was good to me and put me in a line of work that is esoteric but fit me like a glove. And it's hard to find that. I mean, a lot of times. Absolutely. Well, Jack, so we're going go to go I, another- to I consider, And they may have gotten the right person because the type of work they The people that wanted to have action operations, particularly, I think they've found that that was something I had an interest. Yep, and
2: we're going to go to a quick break. I don't want to interrupt you. I just want you to hold that thought because I know people want to learn more. But uh, we do need to go to a commercial break. Don't go away. We'll be right back. And when we come back, Jack is going to talk about where a leader begins in the role of the CIA to get their first assignment and how did that shape you jack as a spy master so don't go away we'll be right back you're listening to leadership development news
1: We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers, with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show.
3: Welcome back to Leadership Development News. We're talking with Jack Devine who has a new book that you should go out and get, Good Hunting. And Jack was ahead of all CIA uh, spying operations, and so Jack, this has been going by very, very quick, but we wanted to ask a couple things, and then maybe we'll have you back. Um, your first assignment was in Santiago, Chile. And so how did that uh, shape you as being a spymaster?
6: If you put it in the context of time, it was uh, 1971, wow. and the world was facing two um, uh, major foreign policy challenges. One was Vietnam. And the other one was Chile, and, um, a lesser-known um, uh, event, uh, and uh, but it was the second most important one that foreign policy, CIA, State Department, Defense Department had to tangle with. Uh, and it was, again, part of this world policy of containing uh, the Soviet Union. So in the case of South America, we have always felt, U.S. policy Monroe Doctrine that we weren't going to have foreign interference in the hemisphere, and in the case of Chile in 1970, a fellow was elected to the presidency, Salvador Allende, a socialist. But he came into office with uh, a coalition with the Communist Party, and we were U.S. government was fairly certain that the Russians were going to try and use the ballot box to have a second. Uh, uh, communist state in the hemisphere, the first one being Castro's Cuba. So the administration, uh, the Nixon administration, Henry Kissinger decided to try and block Salvador Allende from coming to power. And I was on the Chile desk at the time. Task force it was a very special task force. as a young kid and basically typing up memos and. uh they tried a coup, even though the CIA said this was a bad idea. It's on record. These documents have been declassified. And uh, what well, they tried failed. And I was assigned down there in 71. And it was, again, as I said, one of the most important spots in the world in terms of fighting. The, uh, the Cubans were there in large numbers and the types of operations. So it was a very activist place. And they had some of their best Uh, My colleagues were some of the best that they assigned there. Just as Vietnam, they assigned some of their best people. And the leadership was very good. The chief and the deputy were both long-experienced operators who took an interest in their employees. And uh, the chief would take me to meetings with them. The deputy chief sort of helped set up my first recruitment because I was a little shy in those days, hard to believe today, but, you know, he pushed me into the first recruitment. So I, I learned a lot uh, on the ground, but I also learned a lot, and this is for hours worth of discussion, about the political dynamics and the use of covert action abroad, when you use it, when you don't use it, the conditions, and it's not that I want to talk about that today, it's a much it's a, it's a bigger theme. But what I did learn is a great deal about uh, the politics and the political world that was really new and and, uh, virgin territory, which became increasingly useful to me when I went further and further up the ranks in the agency. And that give and take within the political world became terribly, terribly important to me. So it was a very formative assignment.
3: And, and so then, uh, with that, you know, what did you learn from that? That that you're using, let's say, today, or you're passing on to others around covert action, because you kind of highlighted some of the key competencies earlier.
6: Well, we had a sidebar discussion at one point uh, that, if you want to share it, Kathy, but it was, you know, in, in your top leadership, you want a slight bit of risk aversion, okay? Uh-huh. Uh, and my response to that was. We had an old saying in CIA, which was, it's easier to bank a fire than make one. In other words, most people, you need to energize them, right? But there's a small group that they're so energetic, you have to bank them a little bit. So the idea that you need to have a little risk aversion is uh, is something that has to be quantified, but it's very important. So I learned in that environment that there was a gun-ho streak within the U.S. government and perhaps even within the CIA, and that uh, the chief had a slight risk aversion, which brought him some criticism at the time. But as I looked at it, he was just extraordinarily well-balanced politically. So sometimes you have to resist the strains of action, because there's another expression in CIA, which really, if a young person's thinking about joining, it's can-do, it's that I can do it. I can get it done. It's not what are all the things why I can't get it done. I know Kathy's right. a strong advocate is uh, can do. So you have to have uh, in, in certain times, uh, you know, a, a level of sophistication politically. That says, right. You can do it, but you know, let's think a minute about what what the possible outcomes were. So right. there was a great deal of learning. And well, I think the other thing we talked about, also box, it was risk say, aversion,
3: is impulse control. I talk
6: <laughs> about the chief with my first assignment, and he became a uh, uh, a role model. And it was the the role model of what I would say would be the you know the ideal leader in an institution. It's the balance, you know, your self awareness. It's the compassion, credibility, and uh, and uh, he had those characteristics. I I wondered why I never became the director of operations, and a fellow said, well, I can't call in B-29 strikes. And um, I think he could, but it would be after reflection. And this goes to uh, another one of Kathy's points that we were talking about, impulsiveness. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people really want to get things done, and when I was in CIA, nobody likes to be slowed down. But I will just tell you some of the big mistakes occur when you don't have things coordinated and you don't slow them down
3: to get all the facts. Well, that's so true? I'm waiting for Kathy to chime in here. So that was the impulse control that we talked about is one of the EI competencies um, that is really important. Sorry, Uh, I
2: I had myself on, on mute there. I said smooth is fast.
6: Right. Would you say, say, say Would you that, that again? Say
2: that? Smooth is fast. Uh huh. When when things run smoothly because they're coordinated, they're fast. Yeah. So we often in in I know in the military, we often say smooth is fast.
3: Right. So so Jack, how do you uh, assess for that? Because you want someone who it is fast and make some actions, but it's kind of like we talked about that—the magic of the moment. Because in the moment, there's so much stimuli coming in, going out. How do you know? How do you assess for someone who's going to make the right decision at the right moment when so much is happening?
6: Well, let me just make two quick observations. The types of attributes we're talking about are what makes for a good operator. GS thirteen U.S. government employee out there learning the trade. Okay. There's another set of skills when you're running the station, when yeah. you're running the division, and that's where these other attributes become terribly important. Impulse
7: the control junior control. person
6: really doesn't make, normally makes decisions, okay? So the decision-making is should be often in the hands of people that have had some, some experience. And I, I see we're winding down. But uh, we can pick it up at another point.
2: Well, we will definitely pick it up, uh, Jack, at another time uh, because you have been an intriguing guest. Uh, You have so much to share. Uh, I know our guests have learned a lot from you today just in the self-awareness, the self-expression, the interpersonal relationships, the strength of decision-making required, the reality testing, the impulse control, the empathy, and the can-do optimism. Uh, Raleigh and I uh, would love people to be able to get in touch with you. Is there an email address or a website you'd like to provide before we say goodbye?
6: Well, our company, it's The Arkin Group, www.thearkingroup.com, and uh, the book is www.good-hunting.co, and there's lots of material there, including contact points. That's great. Well, thank you.
2: It has been a pleasure, Jack, and we will definitely have you back. And uh, I want to thank everybody who's listening. You've been listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with Dr. Raleigh Nadler and myself, Dr. Kathy Greenberg. And thank you for tuning up to tune in to your exceptional emotional intelligence here on Leadership Development News.